Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm uh, a little nervous this morning because I've never preached like this before. I think Joel said that last week too. I don't know where Joel went, but didn't he say that last week in his message? I never preach this way. But it's really good because um, it's always good to step out of your comfort zone. And preaching through the word um, is just as powerful. And I think it's going to be a great morning as we go through First John some more. Do you guys have your Bibles? you want to open them? I'll pray and then we'll get into uh, this morning's message. First John 2 is where you're looking to go right now. But God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We honor you. We know you've done... Uh, just such an amazing heart work in us this morning already. And God, we know you're going to continue to do that heart work through your word this morning. And we just pray a blessing over your word, Lord. Would you uh, guard it as it comes out of my mouth? Would it be filtered through your brain and your mouth, Lord? Would there be no filter between your word and my mouth, God? That it would just come right from your mouth through and out my mouth, God so that it doesn't have any of my spin or my anything, Lord, but that it would just be your word. Yeah, Lord, we, we know that your word is good. It's living, it's active. It's sharper than, two, than a two-edged sword, and it divides bone from marrow and soul from spirit. And we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you, we honor you again, Lord, this morning in this place. Yeah, God, we give you the praise. Amen. Amen? Chris Valentin says this all the time, but we have to pray for the preacher, you know? Nobody's laughing at that. Like, I need the prayer more than you do. Because I'm the one that has to deliver the word. <laughs> Some of you didn't like that. It's okay, though. Like, I'm okay if you don't get it right now. You'll get it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. But it's true. It's good, though. And I, wanna, like, I always want to pray for you, too, that you'd receive it. Because if it's the word of God, it's a good word. And it's worth receiving. All right. We're going to start off in, on verse 15. So if you have your Bibles, or if you uh, want to read along on the, on the screen, I'm reading from the ESV this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. I'm going to read my passage. I'm going to briefly go over what Joel and Wendy preached about, super brief, and then I'm going to try and blaze through my points because it's already seven minutes after 12, and I get a hard time every time I preach for an hour on a Sunday, and right now, if you go on our Spotify to listen to the services, you'll see that I am the only staff member or preacher at Haven that preaches over an hour every time, and I have been reamed out so many times about it, so today is the day that I'm under an hour, okay? Okay, Mel? All right, I better, be, I better just get through this. If you didn't hear her, she said, we'll see. Thanks. Okay, here we go. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. 
Children, it is the last hour, and as if you are, sorry, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because there is no lie, uh, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. If you had heard from the beginning, if what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Amen? Oh, that's a traditional thing to say, hey? Anybody grew up in a church where they said that after they read scripture? No? Okay, only some of you. I blessed your hearts, the rest of you. You just get used to it. All right. So um, two weeks ago, how many people were here for Wendy's message? How many were here last week for Joel's message? Right on. I was in kids ministry last week, but I listened to it on Spotify. It was a, one of his best sermons I've heard him preach in a while. He might not like hearing that, but it was really good last week. I was really blessed by what he said and the word that he brought. But um, just a few things to emphasize as we, as we jump back here in 1 John. The book of 1 John is written by who? John, the apostle John, right? And uh, the nickname for John is John the Beloved. Why? Because he was Jesus' best friend. Jesus' best friend. And Joel went over that in his message. He talked about the reality of Jesus was leaning back on his chest. And that's the closeness, um, the representation of the closeness of them. And likely in that culture, he did lean right on his chest in the Last Supper and got to just be really a part and listen to the heartbeat of the Lord. How cool would that be, hey? Um, awesome. But this book is written, we believe to the, the theologians believe to the Ephesians. And the Ephesians, um, the Ephesian church at this time, John is writing to them because there's this um, sect of Christianity coming out of it called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is a false teaching that we understand as a false teaching. And it has a few main points that are important for us to understand because John is addressing them throughout this. And this will kind of give you a good understanding of this. First is that matter is evil and the spirit is good. This is what they believe. This is not what we believe, okay? Second thing, that Jesus was not a man, just a phantom. He didn't die and he didn't rise from the dead. So they didn't believe in the deity of Christ. They didn't believe that Jesus was fully God. Um, third thing, only those with special knowledge would be saved. And we're gonna get in that today, uh, today a little bit. So they believed that only some Christians had special knowledge, not everybody in the body of Christ. And then they believed that you could be a child of God and still be actively living in your sin life. They didn't believe in sanctification. They didn't believe that there was a need for it. Do you guys remember what the word sanctification means? Some of you are like, man, that's a big word. It's a hot day. I don't know. Sanctification means becoming more like Jesus, cleaning up your life. We talked about being holy as he is holy. It's the process of becoming holy. Everybody say sanctification is the process of becoming holy as he is holy. 
Good. Okay, there. You're going to remember it. Okay. So Wendy outlined kind of three themes throughout the, the book of John that the, there's a vertical fellowship and there's a horizontal fellowship with God being one of the main themes. So there's a vertical fellowship and a horizontal fellowship. Okay. And then uh, that, man, my mic just, it feels like it's really weird being up here speaking. I haven't, haven't preached up here yet, but it just feels weird in the room with the echo. That's okay. I'll get over myself. Um, the second main, main theme in this book is uh, to be led by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And finally, third, that sin is not a part of our relationship with God. And Joel took us through three main points. Um, he took us a bit through the vertical relationship with the fellowship and reminded us that sin and disobedience is not about religious behavior, but it's about a love dis- disconnect with the Father. So when you sin, it's not about religion screwing you up. It's not about you forgetting a rule and stumbling into it. It's actually probably more likely, actually it is, that it's about a disconnect of your understanding of the love of the Father and your love for him in your life, okay? And the second, he said, um, he spent time on the new commandment that John gives us, which is this reality that it's still the old commandment. How many people remember when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, strength, yeah. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so he focused on this reality of the old commandment being that, but in this reality, in the new covenant, that we have the revelation of love through Jesus and that we actually get to abide in Jesus and we get more revelation of the love of the Father through that, amen? So that's the new commandment that John gave us. And finally, third, the third thing that he, he emphasizes, and I think the most important part of his sermon, I'm gonna read it. This is, quoting Joel in my own paraphrase, you never outgrow love. It seems to be that God puts more importance on loving him and others rightly than having right theology or right ideas. And he emphasized that. And I believe that's probably one of the most important points he's ever emphasized in his life from this pulpit. That that is true in the nature of God. That what you think about God or believe about God, your theology or your doctrine is irrelevant if you don't love God and you don't love other people. It's meaningless. It's useless. James says that, right? Faith without works is dead. Yeah. All right. So in in this next passage, the passage that we already read, there are three sections and three themes that I want to highlight to you. The first is that, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. I love taking notes. You guys all know why. I like highlighting my Bible. I like writing notes in my Bible. I like writing notes on paper and in my phone because notes help you remember things, actually. And I tell this all the time because it's important. And I'm going to keep saying it because it's important. And eventually you'll get it. A journal and a Bible in a physical copy is one of the most important things you can own in your life. It is. Your digital copy of your Bible is not good enough for your memory. Okay? It's not good enough. Because when you have a physical Bible, you highlight it, and the action of highlighting it and rereading it helps you remember like sevenfold what it does when you just read it on your phone, okay? And then if you take a note, if you write a note on your Bible, you actually get a memory of where it is. How many people are like this? For me, it's like I, I highlight something or I underline it, and then I make a little note, and then I can in my mind remember what side of the page and what page it's on. Why? Because that's what happens when I physically do something because then my brain remembers, okay, it might, I might not know where in the thickness of the book it is, but I actually can remember in my mind. It's on the left column near the bottom. And then as I'm flipping, 
I can find it easier. That's why this is so important. And I'm going to keep emphasizing it because one day you'll, you'll actually get it because you'll do it. But so if you're taking notes, okay, in your journal then, um, or on your Bible, these are the three points I'm going to make about this, this section of the chapter of, sec, of 1 John chapter 2. The first is about our vertical relationship continued and our sin nature. The second, we're going to talk about the Antichrist spirit and the Antichrist himself. And finally, we're going to talk about Dwayne's favorite thing, the anointing. Okay, like it can be Dwayne's favorite thing, but it can also be your favorite thing. We're going to talk about the anointing. Come on. Only some of you understand what I'm saying and you're worried. The rest of you are worried. All right. So let me just reread chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Man, that's a hard passage to start your sermon with. Can I just say that? Like when I read that, I was like, Wendy, why'd you give me this passage? Like, that's really tough. Like nobody wants to get up and be like, hey, church. There we go. I woke you up. That's what I want to do. Come on. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Because if you love the world and the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Ouch. That's a harsh word. Yeah. Like how many people love movies? Like I love, my hand is up. I love movies. I love popcorn and I love Coke Zero. Come on. If I could afford to go to the movies once a week, I would do it. I would see the same movie. I love movies. Okay. This is a, that's a harsh word from John to start this this sermon off with. But I love that he, he, he describes a bit more of what this looks like. And I, I just want to get into that. So our, this is our vertical worship, the love of God, right? This is what we're talking about, vertical worship, loving God, okay? And this part is really finishing off where Joel left off last week. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So here, I want to get into that verse a bit. We have the flesh, the eyes, and the pride. Everybody say that. The flesh, the pride, and the, yeah, sorry, the eyes and the pride of life. Let's start, try that again. <clears throat> okay. We have the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. Let's say it together. The flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. This is important, Okay. Jesus and Paul, specifically in the New Testament, really outline the reason and the importance of why John is outlining this. And, and he's really like, he's, he's referencing things that Jesus taught. He is in this, in this passage. So here we go. In the flesh, Paul defines that for us in Colossians 3 verse 5. It says that the flesh is, uh, or the, the desires of the flesh are this, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. So these are the things that are, are desires of the flesh. So if you're wondering what does it mean by the desires of the flesh, these are them, okay? And then it says in Romans, Paul, Paul talks about this, the opposite. So I'm going to give you the definition and then the opposite for these three things, okay? And the reason why John is emphasizing these three things, the, the thing, the the kingdom principle in that, okay? So the kingdom principle here is Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Should I say that again? 
So to set the mind on sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And how many people can reference that verse that says to set the mind on things above? Right? And so this is the direction that we get from Jesus and and from the scriptures. The eyes. How many people understand that what you look at is what, like, what you're, we say this all all the time in charismatic language, what you behold is what you become, right? So what you look at, what you gaze into is what you become. Why is this so? Because it says in the scripture, Jesus says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, Uh, If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So Jesus is talking about the reality that the eyes are the gateway to the soul. Right? So what you look at is important. It's incredibly important. If Jesus said it, come on, it's important, right? Okay, some of you are responding to me. The others of you, it's too hot for you. Can I say that again? The eye is the lamp of the body. Your eyes, what you look at, what you behold is what you become. Say it with me. What I behold is what I become. Say it again. Okay. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Some of you believe that. They they believe it. Do you guys believe that? So can I say in love, church, what are you looking at? Like we, we got to sit in the presence of the Lord this morning, but where, where were your eyes gazing? Because I know some of us were gazing right at the Father this morning or right at the Son or right at the Spirit. But if you're struggling this morning, can I encourage you? Why don't you spend time looking at the Son? Not the physical Son. Like what you're looking at day in and day out. If you're depressed and you spend your days watching like movies and TV shows that are depressing. Like some, some things are exciting, right? Like sometimes it's like fun. Like again, I, I told you, I, already, I love movies. But sometimes if you get too engulfed in those things, like your emotions are running with them because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to like stir your emotions and bring you along in the story, right? But if you're having a hard time, and every day you're going home and you're listening to your emo music that's just getting you depressed. You know, come on, how many people were raised in the 90s? So, yeah, okay, all of you know what I'm talking about, right? Your sad songs, your breakup songs. Joel talks this all, about this all the time. You're petting your demons. And you're just saying, oh yeah, it's been a rough day. Let me just listen to my rough music that's just gonna continue to make me feel depressed. Yeah, you can't do that. You wonder why you're so sad. You wonder why you're disconnected with the Lord. Look, I'm not saying you have to listen to cheesy Christian music all the time. I know that some of that music is so bad and cheesy, okay? I love you. I love Christian music. I love musicians, music especially, but I know it can be hard to listen to sometimes. But find the stuff that stirs your soul. Find the artist that you can just sense is going to shift your mind to focus on the things in front of you to the things in heaven above, right? Because those are people that are walking and operating in the giftings that God's calling them to. And they're actually anointed to reach you in the season that you're in. 
Some of you might not like that, but they are actually anointed to reach you in the season that you're in. How many people had a favorite worship song at one point, and now it's not your favorite worship song anymore? You kind of got bored of it because seasons change. You grow, you shift, you move, things transform. It's okay, but don't just stop listening to, the, like, to worship music. Find that next song and it, like, let it lead you back to the Lord, to the throne of grace, amen? Okay, your eyes. Okay, the pride of life. This, I, I was reading commentaries about this, and the pride of life uh, is commentated on a, a number of different things, but I think it's simpler than what uh, some commentators just go into. The pride of life is just being proud of yourself and not in the Lord. It's really easy, right? And this is what, this is what uh, Paul says in Corinthians, he said, 1 Corinthians 1, 31. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And other parts of, of Paul's writing, he talks about how he's the greatest of those and he's also the least of these. Right? Some of you know that, that verse. But at the same time, his boast must be in Christ, in Christ alone. So what is the reward? The reward for not focusing on the world. Verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires. So this is, sorry, I just want to emphasize, this is why we don't focus on the things of the world, of the flesh, of the eyes, of the pride of life. Because what happens to them at the end of this age? They gone, right? Your money, your car, your nice house, they gone, baby. It's all gone. When you die, it's gone with you. So that's why the Lord says, don't focus on that. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what's the reward? Eternal life and eternal fellowship with the Lord. Amen? Okay. Oh my goodness, I've been 20 minutes already. Children, it's the last hour, and as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Okay, I'm not going to reread this. I'm just going to give you what's happening in this next section from verses 18 to 23. Here's what's happening. John is outlining the spirit of the Antichrist. How many people understand that the Antichrist is both going to be a person manifested, but also it is a present spirit? This is what John is emphasizing here. So now many Antichrists have come. Why? Because Christ has come. There can't be an Antichrist spirit before the Christ has come. There can be, but it just doesn't look the same. Now we know who the Christ is, right? Because they can't deny someone who hasn't lived yet. All right, you're with me. Okay. So, the Antichrist is both a spirit and will be a person in the end. So some of you are like freaking out because you're like, ah, like the Antichrist is just going to be this person. No, it's a spirit. And I love this passage because it gives us an ability to actually discern the spirit of the Antichrist. So here's how you discern if there's a spirit of Antichrist operating in you or your friends or the people around you. Some of you are like, what? My friends? Yes, your friends. Okay, and this is like really good because the reality of, of what John's talking about, like how many people understand there are more people on the earth than there ever has been, which means there are more ideas than there ever has been, right? Because we are created beings and humans are created to create. We're created to think for ourselves. So there's more ideas right now than ever before. So how many people understand that means there's going to be more false teaching than ever before? So as we, the reason why this is so good is because 
John is talking about a false teaching, Gnosticism, that still exists today. There are tons of Christians, people who say they're Christians, that don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he died and he rose again. But let me tell you, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. Jesus was both God and man. He died and he rose again in three days and he conquered sin and death. Amen? This is the truth. So, here is the definition that John gives us of the Antichrist spirit. There's more different definitions throughout Scripture, but here's what John says. In verse 21, it's a lying spirit. It's a deceiver. And second, the most important thing that you need to know is that it denies Jesus is the Christ. Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the the Son has the Father. So what's the result of believing that Jesus is not the Christ? You lose the Father. That's right, you've been deceived. And you're deceived out of your eternal reward. So this is why John is addressing this, because it's so vital that we understand these lies. And we don't want to let them... So here's what I want to say to you. If at any point in your walk, in your journey with the Lord, or your journey in life, you get to a point where you're listening to a voice that says, stop following Jesus. Stop, and this is what it says later in this passage, stop abiding with Jesus. Run for the hills, church. Can I say this? As your leader, if I ever say, stop abiding with Jesus, run for the hills. Get out of here. Because I am believing a lie. Dwayne, please come and deliver me. Okay? Don't let me live in that garbage. Jesus is the Christ. And if you're struggling with, do I know if I'm saved or if I'm possessed or demonized or however you want to think about that, the reality is, is if you can name Jesus as Christ, as your Lord and your Savior, this is what John is also emphasizing here, you have no worries right? Akuna Matata. No worries. If you can name the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the Christ, you have no worries. Okay. Finally, the best part, the anointing. Hallelujah, Duane. Hallelujah. Verses 20 to 27. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Say that with me. I have knowledge. Why? Because I am anointed. Yeah, this is where you say that. Because I am anointed. How do we know that you're anointed? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, come up after with the ministry team. We'll baptize you, okay? It's not a big deal. Whether you fall over, whether you shake, whether you feel anything, it doesn't matter. We just want to lay hands and pray over you. And that's the anointing. And it begins there. And this is what my favorite part about this passage is that um, he's really going after this reality that Gnosticism believes that, and this, I really want to be clear on this because some, some divisions of Christianity don't believe that this is the Holy Spirit's anointing. I'm not going to go there this morning. I disagree with them strongly. This is the Holy Spirit anointing that, G, that John is talking about here. He talk, he's very specific in my mind. Okay, And I know that, um, and I'll get into that in a minute. But the difference between Gnosticism, which says, you can have certain knowledge that other people can't have in the body. Wrong. Wrong. 
We are all given the anointing. This is what John, John says. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Not some of you more than other people. Look, Dwayne might be super prophetic. I'm using Dwayne a lot this morning, but it's because I love him and he's awesome. Okay, he might be super prophetic. And, but here's the thing that he's tapped into. Proverbs 25, verse two. Okay, it is the, what? Somebody help me out. It is the, can you pull it up please, Lindy? It is the, Joel, do you know what I'm quoting? It is the pleasure of the Lord to conceal a matter. It is the, come on. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. This is what what, what Solomon's saying in Proverbs. He's saying, it is the glory of God to hide something, right? The kingdom of God is like a hidden treasure in a field. It's the glory of God to hide it and to make us search it out. How many people understand that when you became a Christian, you became a royal priest? You are both a saint and you are also a king or a queen. That's what royalty means. So if you're a royal priesthood, that means you're both holy and anointed. And it is the glory of a king to search out a matter. Dwayne understands that as a prophet, he's anointed, but also that all people have the opportunity to go to the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, to to the Lord and say, God, I know you've concealed this and it's your joy that I would seek it out. He doesn't just look. The beauty of the anointing of the Lord, which we'll get into, is that it teaches you all truth. It's not the scriptures that teach you all truth. Although this contains all truth, it, how many people have heard this? Before I came a Christian, became a Christian, this made no sense to me. That's a spiritual truth. It's a natural truth. I know this one woman who's in her 80s, she's, uh, actually 90s now. She's one of my greatest mentors, this little old white-haired lady, and she will, like, she's fire-filled, okay? Like, she will deck you with the Holy Spirit, okay? But she said this before she became, became a Christian, before she knew the Lord, she would read this and it was like nonsense. And then one night the Lord showed up in her bedroom and she accepted him. And then he actually touched her mouth. Actually, these are two different encounters with the Lord in her dream. And the second dream, she, he came and he touched her mouth. And from that moment on, she understand the, understood the scriptures. But it was the revealing by the Holy Spirit that actually allowed her to understand what was happening in this. And this is why we have so many different theologies, because some people don't believe that the Holy Spirit teaches them all truth. They believe this contains all truth, which it does. But it's still a treasure buried in a field. It has to be sought out. It has to, because if this was so easy, wouldn't we all be perfect already? Wouldn't the Father have already returned? It's the truth. It's not that easy. And it's actually about our joy. Wendy said this in her sermon. This is about our joy being complete. And this is a measure of your joy to seek out the truths of the kingdom that are buried, that are tucked away, little hidden treasures, nuggets, okay? So that's the reality. So we are all anointed. Say, I am anointed. To know God's truth by his spirit. Hallelujah. So Gnosticism says that it's achievable for some. Christianity and Christ says it's achievable for all. We're all anointed. Okay. 
The truth about the anointing is that it's a free gift through love and relationship. We just need to receive it. It's a benefit of being a Christian. So how do you get the anointing? John emphasizes this. Okay, you get anointed by the Holy Spirit coming on you, okay? Verse 27, but the anointing that you received, so you receive the anointing. So there's not just us praying on you, but you actually need to, in your heart and your mind and your soul, agree and receive the anointing. So as we pray for you to have the anointing, you receive the anointing, okay? So there's a receiving. That's how you first get it. I write these things to you, about, uh, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you. So the anointing is both a reality, but it's also a person. What's his name? Holy Spirit. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So how do you get more anointing? You listen. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit teaches you. You can't learn if you don't listen. How many people have tried that? Like learning without listening. Doesn't work out, does it? You have to hear the voice of God for yourself. You need to learn to listen to it. And there'll be a course again this fall or sometime in this next season. We ran a hearing God course before, but if you want to hear the Lord's voice, it's easy. Joel can do it with you in five minutes. So can most of our ministry team, okay? It's super easy. We believe this is a crucial part of your walk with the Lord. You have to listen to the voice of the Lord. Okay, and then finally, be in the scripture and let it remain in you. Verse 24, let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. This is the word, rhema word for John and for the people at this time was the rhema word, the spoken word of God. It's both the rhema and the logos now for us. It is the written and it also is the spoken by the Holy Spirit, word of God, okay? Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let his word abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. So it's important we understand that the scripture needs to abide in us with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't learn anything without the scriptures and the Holy Spirit together anyway. So stop trying to do one without the other. So you might have a great talking relationship at the Lord, but your relationship with the Lord might suck. And you're wondering why things are going wrong all the time in your life. It's because you're just running and telling the Lord, why haven't we turned left yet? Are you getting that? It's like you're running... And you're yelling at him, why haven't we turned left yet? And he's like, well, I told you to turn left two years ago. You just didn't listen. You're like, hey, why aren't I in my destiny yet? Well, because you're still running straight. Like, shut up and listen. Okay? I know, some of you don't like the words that I just said, shut up. Okay? I say, I like, I love you and I, I love you because I, and I want you to have the benefits of the anointing in your life. I said this in my last sermon, you know, you, you'll come to me or you'll come to one of our leadership team and you're like, man, I just love how anointed you are. Look, I, I'm anointed in the ways that I'm anointed because of my relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I am anointed the way I'm anointed because of my secret life with the Lord. It is not because I'm better than you. 
It's not that I have any more knowledge than you. In fact, most of you, I am dumber than. Absolutely bar none. Okay? But in my weakness, he is displayed as strong. Look, when I got up to speak in front of kids when I was young and they made us do speeches in school, I would get up there with my cue cards and I'd have three minutes to talk and I'd be like this the whole time. Freaking out, shaking like a leaf. When I first started my my music career, I'd be up on stage playing my trumpet and I'd be going... And it sounded like crazy because I was shaking in fear. In absolute fear. You guys didn't laugh at that display of what it looked like to play my trumpet. My mouth would go dry and I would almost black out every time. In absolute fear. I'm not up here speaking to you as well as I am. Not, not, not that I think that I speak great because I know I stumble over my words and I do all these things, but I didn't get here overnight. I didn't just wake up born in the spirit and go, woo, I can do this. There's a cost. That's right. It's a deep cost. But the benefits of the cost are worth every moment of pain. Every moment of suffering. Look, it says in the scripture, I have suffered, so don't expect you're not going to suffer. Look, John is talking to the Ephesians who lost more than half their church to Gnosticism. They're devastated. They're best friends. They're family. They all left them. And John is calling them the Antichrist. How good would you feel if that happened? You'd feel terrible. You'd be in grief. And rightly so. But we need to learn to be steadfast in our faithfulness and in our journey and return to the Lord constantly because here are the benefits of the anointing. He teaches you everything. Verse 27. And it coincides with these scriptures if you want to back that up. John 16, 13. And it, like, here's why we know this is the writer. John is writing this because the apostle John, he says things the same way in both these letters as well as in his gospel. And that's how we understand this, okay? So John 16, 13, John 14, 26. He basically word for word says the same thing in both the, all three of these chapters. Hebrews 8, 10, and 11, Jeremiah, which is quoting Jeremiah 31, verse 33 and 34, 1 Corinthians 2, 13, and Ephesians 4, 21, which is saying this essentially, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but his anointing teaches you about everything. That's what all of those verses emphasize. And it's true. And it is no lie, just as it is taught you. Abide in him. So it teaches you everything. It gives you the truth. Let me back up. Verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. The the anointing teaches you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Hallelujah? Come on. And then finally, the Holy Spirit makes its home in you continually. It empowers you and does everything else that the Holy Spirit is designed to do in you. And it gets greater and greater and greater. And you become more effective for the kingdom. More effective for the kingdom. Because why are we here if not to be effective for the kingdom? Look, if you're not in this room, 
to be effective for the kingdom, you may as well not come. Look, I, you not, might not like that word. I love you. I say this in love. If you're not here to grow the kingdom of God and to grow in your relationship with the Lord so that you can grow the kingdom of God, you may as well not go to church because it's meaningless. And I love you too much to not tell you that. We need life changed by the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God to change the world. You can't do it on your own. But also, there is no purpose in life at that point. If you're not here to change the world, you'll have very little purpose. And you wonder why you're stumbling around. It's because you forget that you have great purpose. Look, it is about you. Like, it's all about the Lord, first and foremost, but it is about your choices. Joel kind of said this last week too. You have to make a choice. And I encourage you this morning, make a choice. Stop sitting on the fence. Stop wondering if you're good enough. You're not. You're not. I'm not. Dwayne's not. Joel's not. Jeff's not. Wendy's not. Look, I just want to say this. I know I'm getting close. I've not been even 45 minutes yet. This is a record. So I'm going to land this plane. If there's anybody on worship who can play keys for me, while we move out, that'd be great. Thanks, Chris. The beauty of what Jeff and Wendy did in front of you this morning is this, and they would never say this, but I'm going to say this to you. That was the most humble act I've ever seen a leadership commit in my entire life. Do you know how many churches fall apart and get destroyed because the leaders of the church are like, I am still anointed to lead this place. I'm still the one who's going to bring us into the promised land. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still. And the Lord has already said, no, you're not. The Lord has already said your season is done. And look, the Lord is not saying their season is done. They're still in our house. They're moving up. Hallelujah. It's true. But what they just did in front of you today is so humble. And it deserves honor to them. Because what they've said is, hey, we know we're not called for this next season because the Lord has told us so. And we're honoring the Lord, we're obeying the Lord, and we're moving with the Lord because it will mean more blessing for you, more blessing for his kingdom, and the kingdom will grow because of it. And Amanda and I get to be on the receiving end of some of the most humble people I've ever met. I know no other leader willing to do that. And it crashes churches and communities and whole cultures fall apart. How many people have heard about these cultures that are falling apart because their great leaders did not realize there was an end and it was time to allow succession to happen or it was time for them to move and they said no to the Lord. It's about team. It's about the body together and it's about being led by the anointing, by the Holy Spirit. So can we just honor Wendy and Jeff this morning? I know they can't hear us, but we can honor them. Aren't they amazing? And I'm just going to pray for them. I know they're not even in the room, but they're going to hear it online. Okay, Lord, we, just stretch your hands out as if they're here. Lord, we bless and honor Jeff and Wendy Wilson for their leadership, for their humility. God, for taking us, like they are the reason that we're all out here, that all of us traveled from Ontario to be travelers from a foreign land to lead this movement. They are that reason. They're the reason we stayed in this land because of you and because of their leadership, Lord. So we honor them right now. We bless them with abundance. 
We bless their children with abundance. We bless their children's children's children with abundance this morning. With your heavenly blessings, Lord, would you empower them and their children like no other time in their lives? Would your anointing just drip off of them everywhere they walk? And would every bit of finances, of breakthrough, of everything that you called them for in this next season be in abundance in this, for the rest of their lives? And would they be known and honored as those leaders who are so humble and willing to move despite what can be one of the hardest shifts of any person, any leadership's life? They've said yes to you, God, and we honor them this morning and bless them in Jesus' name. Everybody bless them and say amen. So if, if I can get the ministry team up, we, like I said a few things. If you have never been baptized in the Spirit or anointed in the Spirit of God, we want to get you baptized and anointed in the Spirit of God this morning. If you um, are just feeling like you need a a moment, a marking moment of that shift of getting off the fence and saying, this is the season. Because church, this is the season. This is a shifting season. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. Revival is here. Come on, say it with me. Revival is here. It's here because you are saying yes this morning. It's not here. It's not just going to show up and smack you in the face. It's only here if you say yes this morning. It's here. Hallelujah. Revival is here. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. Revival is here. It's already been here. But it's our season, Haven. It's our season. And it's the season where you are going to see the Lord work in ways in your life you never could have imagined. I'm going to see it. And it's a season of yes and amen. It's a season of obedience. It's a season of greater anointing on all of you, on all of us. Amen. Okay, stand with me. So if you want prayer, come on forward, but I'm just going to bless you as you go. And I'm going to bless you with a greater anointing this morning. Amen. Shut your eyes. Stretch out your hands as if you're receiving a gift this morning. God, we just thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your, say thank you for your anointing. We thank you that you have given all of us knowledge. Say thank you that you've given all of us knowledge, that you've given all of us access, that you love us all. It is for the entire world, it says in your word. Your anointing is for the world if they would take it. And Lord, may this be a time where we look back and we say, this shift is the shift where we said yes to being world changers as a body. And in three to five years, Lord, as we're impacting the nations as a body, Lord, would we look back and say, that is the marking moment I said yes. I said yes to changing the nations into the kingdom of God. And Lord, we, today we say yes as a house for revival, but more importantly, for the kingdom of God to advance in this location, in this city, in the people, in this region, in the province and in this nation of Canada, that it would be the beginning of a returning to you, 
that every knee would bow, every tongue confess. We say yes to that this morning, Lord. Lord, and right now I just bless everyone who's here, Lord, with a greater anointing, with a desire, Lord, to come under your anointing and to seek it out, to get the joy that you give as we seek out those things that you've concealed for us in your word, the treasures that are hidden. So Lord, be with this royal priesthood as we go this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.